With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, yes. Hello, my friends. And welcome to this. Another edition of the Underdog Football Show. My name is Josh Norris. His name is Hayden Winks. And a very special guest here today for a very fun exercise. His name is Robert Mays of the Athletic Football Show. Robert, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, guys. I appreciate you having me on to do this. I'm, the prep was enjoyable. Good. <laughs> really looking forward to it. I know on your own show, you've done a bunch of drafts. Um, I had this idea like months and months ago, and then you started rolling them out. I'm like, God damn it, Robert, like, why <laughs> do we start having these same things? But as you said, the exercise that we're about to have is uh, is a lot of fun. Now you've been doing a bunch of like coach, GM, former coach in Wade Phillips, and you have Brandon Staley on, Robert Sala. How have those interviews on the Athletic Football Show been going? It's been really fun. I mean, those conversations are great. And I think the most enjoyable part is that it just my curiosity guides them. So those are the questions I want to know the answers to. So the mm. actual preparation that goes into them is fairly easy because all it is is what questions would I ask Robert Sala if I had a chance to? And the fact that I get to do it is great. So the hope is we have two more and they're both going to be NFL GMs and they should roll out over the next two weeks and then we'll be done because scheduling those is like herding cats <laughs> and I will be very ready to get to training camp and to actually have a normal schedule and all of that stuff. Yeah, this is like their five or six weeks of the off season, I guess. Yes, uh, yes. I guess that's what it's called. Yeah, it's, it's fun. I mean, the content game, it's something where you ultimately get to like the point, and I think this is maybe the point we all strive to be at, is you create content that you know you'll enjoy, and then you know that other people out there will enjoy it too. And once you can get to that level, I mean, you've kind of got it made. So I'm glad. I'm glad you're there. I'm glad that I am there because I would not be able to do it any other way. So if I were forced to, it would be a significant problem. Uh, Hayden, I know you've been tuning into a bunch of those. I love the the show that you did where NFL defenses are going with Deontay Lee and Nate Tice. I mean, that show, Robert, I had to go back and listen to it like three or four times. I appreciate that because I had to go back and listen to it a couple different times. <laughs> it's fun. And that's it's one of those things. I mean, Josh, you know this. When you host the show, you have to play some different roles sometimes. And one of my favorites is having two people on that know a lot more than me. And yeah. I just get to play point guard. And I can just sit there and ask questions and let it happen. And my lack of knowledge doesn't have to show up in those moments, which I sincerely appreciate. Yep. All right. Well, today's show, it is a seven-on-seven seven draft. Basically, we are here to build our perfect passing offense. These are the rules. I want to keep it as simple as possible, and don't worry. I wasn't trying to change the rules about 30 minutes before we started going live. <laughs> I would never do that on this professional of a show. It's going to be one quarterback, one running back, three wide receivers, one tight end, and one what we are calling a super sub. Uh, Robert, you have some experience with seven-on-seven, seven, don't you? I, mean, I played high school football and I played center. So I was forced to go to seven on seven tournaments and only <laughs> snap the ball. It was my junior. It was my junior. I was going into my junior year and we had a senior laden team and I was fighting for the starting center job on a really good offensive line full of like division one players. And I felt like I needed to stack up as much goodwill as possible with the quarterback and everyone else. So I went to all the seven on seven tournaments that summer. And I can't even describe to you how boring it is to be at a seven on seven tournament and snap the ball for like four or five hours in the sun. It's not great. This is one of my takeaways when I was like going through this is we have to remember seven on seven is played in the middle of the summer when it's the hottest and you're out there forever. You're out there for so long. So I kind of took that into account where I wanted younger players. 
I want a players that were used to the heat. Wow. And, oh. and I need chemistry because the second you have players that aren't in fully sold out, when it's like 95 degrees and you're there for six, seven hours, I need some chemistry to guide me there. So these are the, the little things that I'm accounting for that it's not just uh, it's Monday night football. And we're trying to win. We're trying to go play on a Saturday in July. That's that. That's the little difference for me. Speaking of strategy, very bold strategy of Hayden Winks to already reveal his hand and his cards before we get started. I'm so glad, though, that like I kept the details really simple for all this, the structure, so we could take it however different many ways we wanted to. Like, I'm sure, Robert, this is right up your alley in trying to build some form of a team out there. So I'm sure you have a little bit of an idea of what you're going to do as well. I did look up the rules and tell me if I'm wrong about these since you have more experience than I do. No running quarterbacks. Four second clock to throw the football, which is more than any quarterback in the league has. Uh, and tackling, it's a no on there, but I think for maybe some fun, we should have maybe tackling included. We'll just go along with it. We'll go along with it as we as we move along. Um, okay, draft order. As the guest of honor, Robert Mays is up first. Hayden Wink second. I am third. And yes, we're going to snake just to the disdain of Robert Mays. But Robert, you get to go first. So... In this I'm, perfect, snake. I'm okay with it. I think for fairness purposes, it does make sense. In this perfect passing offense that you are attempting to build right now, who is the first overall selection? So I hated having the first pick because I hate the pressure that comes with the first pick because you can have whatever you want. And I don't like that at all. But my thought with this was who is the per- the person that is hardest to replicate? Whose skill set is the most singular in this sort of environment? And with that in mind, I picked Tyree Kill. Because Robert, you're already crushing me here. I I just think that what he provides in a pure passing context, it would be the hardest to replicate with any other player. The how he changes the structure of what you do defensively, and also motion is really big in seven on seven. I think it's become even more important having him as that eye candy moving across the formation. I, I just think the amount of different things he can do in a passing specific context, and when the quarterback is, I think a little bit diminished just because you can't run you don't have to worry about playing off platform all of that other stuff i just think he's the hardest guy to find and replicate in this exact context yeah you're crushing me up you know stupidly assumed that both of you were just going to take the easy way out and take two quarterbacks open with this and i was just going to luck into tire kill in the third it's for <laughs> absolutely the reasons that you brought up like everyone knows about his insane deep speed. And even when defenses know that it's coming right at them, he runs over top of them. But I think there are two areas that are kind of overlooked or underappreciated of Tyreek Hill. Uh, he's, he's a small who can play big. I'm not going to say like to the degree mm-hmm. of, of Steve Smith, because maybe he did it better than anyone that I remember, but he still does go up and get it on those plays that you don't expect for, for someone that size. And he has extreme wiggle after the catch, too. I mean, he can make you miss in certain tight quarters and then create big plays with the ball in his hands as well. The Josh, throttle was- down ability, too. I mean, the throttle down ability is unbelievable. The yeah. stop and start, that's the biggest thing. Speed is – we talk about it all the time on our show. Speed, you can find it. You can find it in areas where you don't have to spend a lot on it. He's not just fast. Right. He, his change of direction ability, the way he can change direction at full speed, all of those other things I think get overlooked because people just peg him as a fast guy. Yep. yep, and the ball tracking, and I, I got mm. bad news for you, Josh. He was not going to get past me either. So you were sli- you were sleeping on Robert and I. I. I didn't respect both of you enough, Robert. I'm consistently amazed at how open so far down the field he is. As soon as Patrick Mahomes hits his back foot, like a lot of times when you look at you know deep plays in the NFL, it can be ones where you know it's massive seven nine step drops and then holding the football and letting someone get open down the field but it seems almost instant with him and it's uh i don't know how much more we have to say about tyree kill he's a special player and i'm glad he was going to be the first pick for all three of us so we're all on the same page here funny with uh, with other offensive coordinators or play callers they'll talk about the chiefs and just say it, it almost doesn't count it, there's when you look at them you can't glean that much just because with mahomes and hill there's so many things you can do with them on time and within the structure of the offense that you wouldn't be able to do with anybody else. I like it. All right. Pick number two, Hayden Winks, you're up. So I was in, definitely going to go Tyree Kill first overall. So I'm going to pivot to Travis Kelsey, number two. And the reason why is I think I can find some more downfield guys at the wide receiver position. And I think that just Travis Kelsey kind of is in a tier within his own, within about 10 yards of the line of scrimmage at tight end. Um, and I want to be taking positional value into account here. And when I was going through the wide receivers, 
there are so many good wide receivers. So I was willing to punt uh, the wide receiver position, even though that's probably the most important position on seven on seven. I'll, I'll go with Travis Kelsey um, to, to to knock out my tight end right away. It's also smooth with him, isn't it? Like we had we had Ben Finnell on during draft season. He talked about how you know Kelsey's game is kind of all built off that vertical seam, you know, fine soft areas. But I went back and watched, and that's not giving enough credit because that's so simple. Like I went back and watched that game against the Bills. And it's like the game slows down for him, Robert. You probably remember this. It's like a really simple reception, but he's doing this little inside route against Tremaine Edmonds and he expects Edmonds to take more of a line to undercut him sees that he's not. So then he kind of works back there and immediately turns up the field and and gets into the end zone. Like those plays just repeat themselves over and over and over again. Maybe no one has like spatial awareness better at the position and plays within themselves more than Travis Kelsey. It's incredible. Not only he attacks his own and man coverage so effectively because you're right, the finding the soft spots and what teams are trying to do with putting a lot of air in the defense, which teams do against the chiefs. He's so good at finding that space. But then if you want to play a man against him, he's ripping off Denzel Ward on whip routes from the slot. I mean, it's just absolutely insane. And not only can he beat various types of coverage, but the ways that you can line him up can dictate certain types of coverage. If you're going to use him as your X receiver on the backside of those three by ones, like the chiefs do, it gives you a ton of information. He's a cheat code in every single imaginable way for a tight end. Yeah, totally agree. All right. I'll be the the sheep and go with Patrick Mahomes here to close out round one. Why not? Look, at least we have some semblance here of going chiefs with all three of our first picks and, what a cheat code that is for them just playing real football. I understand what both of you have said, why you might punt the position a little bit, because like the differences in this format, getting to the second player at their positions, uh, there are a bunch of good quarterbacks in the NFL, but maybe fewer can make the difficult look easy from multiple arm angles and multiple platforms. And also there's no effort in changing the touch onto the throws, like he can just throw an absolute laser that we know at every level of the field. But then also those touch throws in certain situations, lofting it over and underneath linebacker or safety or anything like that. To me, in this format, when we're trying to use every single blade of grass, maybe no quarterback in the NFL is able to attack every single blade of grass more than Patrick Mahomes. So that's where I want to go with my first pick here at the turn. It's also four seconds is a lot of time. It's a lot of <laughs> yes, time. That is so much time. He can't run. And so his scrambling ability, I, I want to say he had the most EPA gained on scrambles last year by a ton, which when you consider what he does with his arm feels unfair. It just doesn't seem like that should be an aspect of his game. But even if he's not avoiding rushers or running, Four seconds, if you're letting stuff develop and guys are getting down the field, that ability to put it wherever he wants does come into play here. Yeah, definitely. And you, it's not just in the pocket. You, when you're watching seven on seven, some of these quarterbacks like to get outside a little bit, mm-hmm. throw on the move um, on certain certain routes. So um, I was I was hoping Patrick Mahomes is going to follow. The reason why I went uh, Travis Kelsey is I was hoping you were going to go like Aaron Rodgers or somebody else, and I would get this stack because I wanted mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes with Travis Kelsey because that is the vibes play that I was hoping for, but <laughs> was not so lucky. All right, I'll just move on over to the second pick here. And it was absolutely, like I said, going to be Tyreek Hill, my first selection. And so I'm going to go like maybe in a completely different model of wide receiver. And this might break your heart a little bit here, Robert. I'm going to go with Stefan Diggs. Wow, that's brutal. That crushes me. (laughs) Because I don't know if there is like a better ISO ball wide receiver in the NFL than Stefan Diggs. And when we see these coverages, when it's the, you know, one great athlete against another great athlete, for four seconds, I want the guy that can put three moves on the cornerback within five yards or within 15 yards or run over their face on a vertical shots as well. I mean, just his movement and how he plays within himself. It I forget who first talked about it years and years ago on Twitter, but you can isolate his releases. And it absolutely is like Allen Iverson is and I don't know anything about basketball, but just those moves in terms of creating that space and that separation immediately, but he does it in his breaks and he does it at the top of his routes as well. I think Stefan Diggs, other than Tyreek Hill, might be the perfect wide receiver for this format. This is shocking. I just assumed I would get him at six. I assumed you guys would have six or seven <laughs> receivers ahead of him. I am. I think it's been well documented that I'm among the world's biggest Stefan Diggs believers. 
I, I picked him in every single fantasy draft last year. I assumed he would be a top five guy. He ended up being that. It, it won me plenty of leagues. I just think that, like you said, at certain aspects of his game, certain nuances, his vertical, his forward lean on vertical routes and his ability to come out of that, that's why he's so dominant on comebacks because teams are, people are so terrified of him beating them down the field and he just crushes them underneath. I think he's an absolute superstar I have for a while. So this is shocking to me because I just assumed I'd get him at six. And his skill set is like so translatable to seven on seven in particular, just like getting open and and winning like every part of the field he gets open on. So this is like the perfect format for him too. Yeah. I mean, he's the perfect pass catcher for this backyard football style. I mean, that Monday night football game against, I think it was facing Jason Verrett. Again, he had three moves and a clean outside break within five yards. And then all Josh Allen had to do was like hold it and then just loft it to the sideline about seven yards downfield. And meanwhile, Stefan Diggs had done all the work in between there. Like again, his special power is the change in speed in like the short amount of time that he can move within his routes. Cause you see a bunch of these guys, we're talking about fast receivers. It's all one speed. It's all one track. We know Diggs can throttle down and it's his releases. Like he has those hop releases too, when he eats up like two or three yards immediately and then boom crashes outside. He is just a, an absolutely sensational player. And to me, it's still quite amazing that he switched teams in the NFL. I know he wanted to, and like that was all part of his plan, but it's so rare. And we've, we've talked about that with wide receivers, great wide receivers moving teams. It rarely happens. And to get two of those last offseason was, uh, was something special. So, And we haven't even mentioned the ball tracking. I mean, that, that's, yep. I yes. think it was probably if coming into last year, that was the singular skill you talk about with him. I mean, Kevin Stefanski told me that he's the best ball tracker he's ever seen, you know, mm-hmm. in a decade and a half co- coaching in the NFL. And you add that to everything else you're talking about. He's a special, special player. Yeah, in 2019, he was the best downfield threat statistically by a, a huge margin. And then last year, you saw him, like, t- I think maybe even take another step, like, in that 10-yard range. And that's why his production went through the roof with Josh Allen. All right, four picks down. We're back to Hayden Winks. I'm not going to escape the second round without a wide receiver. So I'm going to go with Devontae Adams. I think that he's probably the best wide receiver in the game right now. I think that his route running is impeccable. And I like that he went to to Fresno State. He's used to the heat in the middle of the summer. So that's the tiebreaker here between some other players. So I'm going Devontae Adams. Robert, I started going deep for this exercise, way too deep than I should have. And I tried to remember like the perception of Devonte Adams. I think it was what 2014 15 was his rookie season. And like just the massive leaps that have happened ever since. I know it can be difficult, especially if you don't go back and I didn't ask you to watch it right before. But what if you think have been like the major differences in Devonte Adams game? Because he was good then I watched the highlights, but he's just a totally different player right now. I think it's just the feel that he has for the game. And I think that developed over time. I think that developed with Rodgers, which is a big part of it. You know, when they're not getting a lot of time together and the hierarchy that you that, that exists within the Packers receiving core. And if you were the number one guy and you have that rapport with Rodgers, I think that really matters. And he's developed that over time because Jordy was the guy that had that at the beginning. So yeah. now he stepped into that role. I mean, I wrote after week one last year that I think that Devontae Adams, this is the year where he becomes the best receiver in the league. It took one game because Julio was a little banged up already. You know, you had other guys like Hopkins changing teams. Antonio Brown is kind of out of the picture now. I thought this was going to be his year, and that's what ended up happening. I just think that what he does with the releases, we know about this, and I've talked about that with him before. It was one of my favorite football conversations I've ever had. We were sitting in the Packers locker room, and he showed me videos on his phone and we're like, he's diagramming how he thinks about it and everything else. It's that ability to get off against any sort of coverage, especially press, but also the way he sticks guys at the top of routes. So he has that initial release, but his ability to create late separation, it's just a rare combination. There are very few guys in the league that I think have the feel for those two aspects of the position to the degree that he does. You mentioned his releases near the goal line. It's almost like a hidden ball trick where no matter which direction you choose, you're going to be wrong because somehow he's always heading in the opposite direction that the corner chooses or they don't choose at all. And then he's separated immediately. It's, it's mind blowing what he can do near the goal line because everyone knows again, it's, it's a very tight offense in terms of the passing tree right now, how it's orchestrated, but week in and week out, 
it's still absolutely dominant. And it is because of the cohesion between quarterback and wide receiver. So I'll be very interested to see who you pick at quarterback here later on. Remember I said vibes, Josh. I said positive <laughs> vibes. Well, we'll see if Robert disrupts you here. Okay, Robert, you got two picks. Give us the first one first. Well, I'm screwed because I absolutely was going to pick Stefan Diggs here, and it was a huge part of my strategy, and I was going to pick Devontae Adams once Stefan Diggs came off the board. So I'm scrambling a little bit. But here's what I'm going to do. Talking about vibes, I think we've already thought a lot about this in the last month or so. So this is going to be my move. I'm picking A.J. Brown with my first pick. Love it. Love it. And Julio Jones with my second pick. Oh, love this. I mean, go ahead. (laughs) What I was thinking about originally, I was going to go with Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, and then some sort of bigger bodied receiver with my third pick, whether it was going to be an A.J. Brown or Julio, Allen Robinson, depending on who had come off the board. Because I do like thinking about complementary skill sets among my receiving core. I always have. I just think that I want guys that do different things. You know, there are some teams like the Bills are comfortable playing with a bunch of Smurfs because they can get open and that's fine. But I want guys that look a little bit different, that do a lot of different stuff. But with Julio, you get the best of both worlds, right? You get the 6'3", 220 pound all-time athlete, but he can do a lot of the nuances. His ability to play, have pushed down the field vertically, but a lot of the comeback stuff that he does. I still think if he's healthy this year, he's going to stun a lot of people. And with A.J. Brown you get a lot of the underneath stuff. And my concern with A.J. Brown when I was doing this exercise originally was if we're losing play action and we're losing routes where you're creating a lot of space and you have those drift routes and a lot of those yak opportunities, does he get diminished a little bit? And I went back and I watched again because I picked him in our non-quarterback draft. I was like, all right, let me just one more time get familiar with the stuff that he does. He's a monster at everything. Oh, my gosh. The contested catch stuff is unbelievable. You go back and you watch what he did against Marlon Humphrey – in that divisional game where he's beating him on slot fades against arguably the best slot corner in the league, the details that he plays with at the position, I think are underrated. So I have, I think probably the most physically imposing trio of receivers you can possibly (laughs) assemble. So I'm going to feel very good about that. And I do think that their skill sets are different enough where I'm slotting in enough different people in different roles. Yeah, I remember watching A.J. Brown during his rookie season. I think he had 100 yards in his first game, but it still felt like he wasn't getting like that many opportunities. He had a couple splash plays against the Browns. And then against Atlanta, he like put the team on his back with some ludicrous yards after catch moments. I, I still don't know if defensive backs understand how a player of that size can move with that like acceleration. I mean, he they take too sharp of an angle and he's gone and then – like if if you try to tackle him high, he just shrugs you off and he keeps going. Like when you try to anticipate and over overextend, he. It's amazing to me that this draft season, Hayden and I have talked about this. We argued about 170, 180 pound wide receivers. Heck, there was even a 150 pound wide receiver that was selected. And then just two years ago, you had these phenoms of 225, <laughs> 230 pounds that just fell to the second round. It's amazing to me because you're you're shocked when you look at the actual measurements how short he is. Yeah. Because yeah. he's only 6'1", and when he plays, he's really long arms. So he has all the benefits of having a long frame, but he has the change of direction ability of someone who's the same size as like Stefan Diggs. So he sneaks up on you in all these ways that you don't really expect. And I think that's why his skill set is just so different from so many other guys in the league. Yeah, and on top of it, it's inside-out versatility. He's going to play in the mm-hmm. slot maybe a little bit more with Julio Jones in the lineup. So it's just like you can move him around everywhere. He's just like unbelievable. And then Julio is a player who it feels like we all – this isn't fair. I don't want to box everyone to this. Maybe some in the general public suggest, well, maybe this is the year the, the decline starts to happen. But then you look at his yards per route run over the last three years, he's top five in each of the last three years. Like, sure, he gets nicked up. He might miss a few snaps here and there. But he still is super consistent, and he even knows it, that he was running by people last year despite his age. And he's been linked with A.J. Green throughout his entire career dating back to high school. A.J. Green was maybe one of the least efficient, if not the least efficient, wide receiver in the NFL last year. And now everyone wants Julio Jones on their team still. I mean, that is some lasting power he has sustained in the league. I feel pretty good about it. I'm not going to lie to you guys. If this, <laughs> it was not my original plan, but if this is going to have to be my consolation prize, I can be okay with that. Uh, just leave some wide receivers to the rest of us. Okay, Hayden, you're back up here. Well, after seeing the get-off-the-bus team that Robert Mays has assembled, <laughs> I'm going to pivot, and I'm going to go 
to DK Metcalf, no. who might not be the most uh, well-rounded player, but in this role where I already have Travis Kelsey and Devontae Adams eating up underneath, this is probably the best ISO deep threat in the league right now, especially on seven on seven. On seven. I don't know what corner on one-on-one coverage with four seconds in the pocket to spare is going to be able to run with DK Metcalf. I am so screwed. I'm so screwed. I mean, these you just have phenoms on your team, and there are a couple left in the league, maybe one or two, but this is DK is is simply amazing when I go back and watch him. I I you forget uh about just the the highlight real plays that it seems like he makes in in every single game. And Robert, what I forgot about him, not forgot, just wanted to be reminded, he kind of does that like moss style body shield where he doesn't like turn and high point the football. Instead, he forces like defensive backs, which are going to be a lot of that they're facing off in this exercise to work through him. And when you try to work through someone of that size, it's impossible. So if he slows down and just has his positioning and that awareness and tracks the ball well, then he's going to have the catch no matter what. And then obviously we know about the after catch skills as well, just the straight line speed. It's ridiculous. I've always been somebody that prioritizes separation above all else with receivers. It's why I love Stephon Diggs so much. And that's why with Metcalf, I think I was slower to appreciate him than I would be with other guys. But his ability to just use his physicality, AJ Brown's the same way. Little tiny hand swipes, just using your frame, not only to create separation, shielding guys off at the catch point, but just to create late separation on certain types of routes. They both use their bodies extremely well and when you have bodies like that it's going to work out pretty well for you yeah and there are a bunch of great route runners still left on the table here and so getting this athletic freak that you might not ask to do everything that is stefan Diggs is doing and also hayden i see you that not having to take a quarterback here you can get him on the return since i'm not going to take one that's a, that's a little smart brain working i know um, what i'm doing I, you know what you're doing I, I hate to keep picking on san francisco but there was another spot where dk took like a simple 10 yard inside breaking route and Again, the corner couldn't get there in that three-step acceleration. And there was a, a linebacker waiting in the middle of the field, and DK just ran three yards back and ran around him because his momentum had stopped, then turns the corner and just tight ropes the sideline for another like 40 or 50 yards for a touchdown. Th- these are things that, I mean, I, I want to pluck someone, and maybe you can refresh my memory, both of you, someone from like the 1980s, the 1990s at the wide receiver position. I just feel like we're seeing different types win in different ways right now because we just had A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, and D.K. Metcalf. And it just would just be amazing to me to watch those guys play in those eras as well because it's just a, a totally different position, I think. It's also the fact that you can have guys that look like that and guys that look like Cole Beasley or guys mm-hmm. that look like Tyreek Hill. I mean, it's just – I think it's the same thing with quarterback where we have all these different types of players and different types of skill sets that have come to the forefront just because of the way the game has changed. And that's one of my favorite things. I mean, think about this year's draft compared to last year's draft and the body types available at the wide receiver position. It couldn't be more different, but those guys can affect the game in just as pronounced ways as guys that look like DK Metcalf or A.J. Brown. Is it too simple to – say that there are like three buckets for wide receivers that we can put them in. It's like the ISO ball guys that we talked about with Diggs, it's the physical freaks and these AJ Browns, Julio Jones, DK Metcalf. And then it's like the short space creators. You mentioned Cole Beasley. There's a few others that we'll get to. I'm sure there's more to that list. And there's some really complete wide receivers out there, but it, I think more than any other position, like a wide receiver is not a wide receiver is not a wide receiver. Like, because they're just, as we talked about, there can be guys drafting the second round that are 160 pounds and also 235 pounds, yet they're both tagged and in technically the same spot. So it's it's so fun to watch when going through like 10, 15 of these names in preparation for something like this. Anything else on DK? Or do you want to move on, Hayden? Well, I think this is just a good reminder of like when we're doing uh, spark scores and all that stuff. Those are just one measure, and you have to be kind of breaking down within positions what type of player this person's going to be. So like a three-cone drill doesn't matter to DK Metcalf because he runs vertically. And then a slot <laughs> receiver, three-cone drill means everything. Uh, so this is just a good reminder. Like you can't just put all these players in the same bucket, and that's just wide receiver is not wide receiver. I'm super screwed here. Uh <laughs> I feel like I'm going to end up with a p- players who win in like very identical ways. Um, I do feel like a really good value here is going to be DeAndre Hopkins. And I feel like his special plow- power is just his toughness. 
He's someone who does not care if he's about to get drilled with an oncoming safety or or a short def, uh, cornerback just trying to come make the tackle immediately. He's going to win the ball. He's going to win the ball, and it might be late. It might be floated. Um, it might be to certain one side of the field and not be able to really expand his game too much. But I think DeAndre Hopkins might be the toughest wide receiver in the air in terms of that ball is mine. I'm going to go get it at all costs and use my body positioning and everything else. Uh, because I don't think he's the most explosive. I don't think he has the highest jumping ability. I don't think you know he's the quickest or has the most acceleration. Again, it, it, it's just his my ball mentality that I absolutely love. I mean, you have an elite cre- like separator, and then you have a guy that doesn't need separation, which is, an, I think, a nice little combination there. Well, thanks for making me feel better about my team. I, I also <laughs> think that uh, just his understanding of coverages as he's running routes is something that's really special too. Um, as soon as he like has one or two step advantage in zone, oftentimes I saw him give like a little wave or a head nod to Kyler saying, Oh, I'm about to have four or five yards of separation here. Throw me the ball now, not wait, throw me the ball now. And then he gets it to him. Um, Nuke is awesome, man. And like the biggest hands ever. Like that's like why he's so good at the catch point is like, he has the massive, massive hands. I can't even, t- I, I, we had, I wrote a story about him years ago and we had lunch together in Houston and we were talking about it and I put my hand next to his hand and he could almost <laughs> fold his fingers over mine. And I have like normal size hands. Like my fingers are short, but my palms are big. I'm a normal size person. And it was just absolutely insane. And it's funny because the way his knuckles are, they're, they're a little bit different, and they're the way that they're different is they create like this actual webbing at the top of his hands. So it's not just that his hands are big. The skin in between his fingers goes up higher than they would on your or my hands. Mm-hmm. The man was literally built to catch footballs. It's absolutely insane. Well, he's going to catch them on Team Norris as well. Okay. <laughs> I missed out on Tyreek Hill. You know what? There was a name I wanted to select as my third wide receiver – but I feel like it wouldn't be utilizing the skill set of Patrick Mahomes enough. So I'm going to pivot over to Calvin Ridley here. Calvin Ridley, he has ascended into superstar territory at the wide receiver position. Just how much separation he creates on a consistent basis, it's it's amazing. Like, I don't know how many other wide receivers you look out there and say, oh, there's not a defender three or four or five yards around him. And then – maybe the most unguardable throw last season was like that 17 deep comeback along the sideline from Matt Ryan to Calvin Ridley that was there every single time. It was like a spot up three pointer. Uh, Calvin Ridley's just, he's, you know, ascended the shadow of Julio Jones. And I'm so excited to see him in that offense again here with Arthur Smith uh, in 2021. It's cool that a guy that weighs 190 pounds and runs like a four, four, five, like that's not a burner. That's not like a top, top shelf speed can be arguably maybe the most efficient deep ball receiver in the NFL right now, not named Stephon Diggs. I mean, on throws of 20-plus yards last year, he ate. I mean, that was where he lived last season, and you wouldn't say that he has burner, burner speed, and I always love that. I love guys that don't need to have the highest end speed to be true deep threats in the NFL. Yeah, play action intermediate routes this year with Arthur Smith. He's going to put up absolutely ridiculous mm-hmm. numbers here. But that's like he's being drafted as a top five fantasy receiver, and like that should continue happening. If if I could self evaluate my team right now, though, where's the yards after catch coming from? Because I'm not sure. <laughs> Stephon Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins covered. Them. Not saying they're bad in that area, but you guys have some some hosses in that area. And, uh, <laughs> I, I just need to create some separation, sustain it, and then run away from people. That's where my team's going. So. Yeah, if, if Diggs and Ridley are open by five yards every single time, I think that's going to be enough. Okay, maybe that lines up for my next picks. Um, all right, we'll do two more, then kind of reset and recap who's on what team. Hayden, you're back up. So this is a game theory play. I'm obviously not going to draft the wide receiver because you guys have already f- filled those. I'm going to go with a running back here, and I'm going to go Christian McCaffrey, just option routes out of the backfield. Yards out of after the catch, he just eats against linebackers. It's just him in isolation. There was a couple other running backs that I was very intrigued about, but I ultimately came back to just Christian McCaffrey's production is is he's in the tier of his own, especially um, after the catch. And I think that was the biggest difference maker for me. I think the most difficult part in this exercise is figuring out like what the running back is going to do. I mean, we know he's going to like catch passes out of the backfield, and there was that 
there that that narrative coming out that well Christian McCaffrey would already be the best wide receiver in his draft class as well I wouldn't go that far but what he does do on those option routes where he just leaves linebackers or safeties or whoever you want to put against him in the open field uh it's shocking and it's there all the time and there's a reason why I mean he just racks up catches on catches and targets on targets because those are earned out of the backfield as well I'm thrilled because I had a very similar approach here to the one that Hayden did. I was I was also going to go with the running back next, and he did not pick the one I was going to pick. So I'm extremely happy with the way okay. that this has unfolded. I'm curious who it was because there was there was one other person, but I feel like the name value wouldn't have hit as hard as the Christian yeah. McCaffrey. And I'm trying to win these Twitter votes when they eventually go live, and everyone's going to love that I've got the number one player at each position in fantasy right now. That's fine. I'm going to pick the best receiving running back in the NFL from last okay. year, and that's Naheem Hines. Wow. I love love it so much. If that's all we're doing here, if it's just catching passes out of the backfield, because that's what seven on seven is, I'm going to pick the running back that, in my opinion, was the most dynamic receiving option at the position last season and is not just somebody that's catching balls out of the backfield. He can do some of that stuff, but you can line him up in the slot. I mean, he's eaten against linebackers on little tiny quick outs. I mean, he can run wheels for you. He can run slants against man coverage. I mean, the Colts used him in high leverage moments. I want to say it was against Green Bay. It's fourth and one. They lined up in empty with him as the number one receiver to the right side. And he ran a slant against Jair Alexander to get a first down. I just think that he has the most – last year, he shot off the most varied, dynamic – impact in the receiving game among any running back in the NFL. So I just think he's the guy, again, that's hardest to replicate for me as we're going through all of these players for this exercise. This is so much fun. I, I was waiting for one outside shot to to land on this list, and this is absolutely it. And I think you nailed it for the usage that you want with these players. I mean, Naeem Hines, I remember at NC State. I remember him obviously now in, in the NFL. It is one of those that – like. We've seen Todd Gurley rack up a bunch of targets and receptions out of the backfield, but it seems like those were just simple swings that were wide open over and over and over again. It's so different, the running back position of who has like legitimate pass catching movement, route running chops. And I think Naeem Hines is absolutely among the best, if not the best, like you're pointing out in the league right now. Even if you're looking at a guy like Kamara, he has so much value when there's traffic, right? On yeah. screens and things like that. Hines is running full route. Kamara does some of that stuff too. But I just think that Hines, when you eliminate screens from the equation, he has more pass catching value among any of the other running backs we could talk about here. Robert, I got to ask you, because this is a huge decision point for fantasy, is Jonathan Taylor's being drafted as like the seventh or eighth overall player, like over some like legit running backs. How do you think the Colts are going to go about splitting the touches between Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines? And then Marlon Mack, maybe in a smaller role, but like specifically third downs. I mean, we always talk about in fantasy how much production is coming from the receiving game. And I think a lot of people are assuming that Jonathan Taylor is going to eat into Naeem Hines' receiving workload. But if you think he's this good, I'm not sure if that's going to happen. What are your thoughts? I feel like they love Naheem Hines there. I think that they would consider retaining him when it, when all is said and done. So I think that sort of commitment should give you some indication. Uh, they are of the opinion that Jonathan Taylor can be a 2,000-yard back eventually. I don't think they believe it can happen this year. So Interesting. take that into account as you're making your decisions. Love that. Absolutely love that. Okay, before we move on, before Robert makes his ne- next pick, let's reset. Robert's roster so far, Tyreek Hill – A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, Naeem Hines. Hayden starred with Travis Kelsey, then Devontae Adams, D.K. Metcalf, and Chris McCaffrey. I started with Patrick Mahomes, Stephon Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins, Calvin Ridley. I did not mention this to all of you. What we should do is put all these teams in a Twitter poll at the end, see who gets the most votes, have some fun with that at the end. And I also want to say... If you leave a review for the show on Apple, we're going to do a special giveaway since Robert's such a special guest. We'll pick five people. If you just tell us who your favorite team was and why and leave your Twitter handle, we'll, we'll give away five T-shirts, underdog T-shirts out there for those people. So, um, Robert, we're having a great time. Let's keep it rolling. Who's your next pick here? I hope people appreciate the Naheem Hines selection because if they don't, they're really missing out. Uh, my next pick, and I was back and forth on this because I think that – with the tight end position, it's a three-man three, three man race, right? Like there are three guys that probably should go above everyone else. That's why I think you can wait a little bit, in my opinion. But I want to have profound affection for this player. And two, again, I went back and watched this morning because I was like, all right, how does he really affect the game? And it's George Kittle for me. 
And so I think in, in this setting, you do lose a little bit of the impact of George Kittle as a player, right? You don't get the run blocking where he's truly a force. And also in that offense, so many slice routes across the formation off play action, a lot of play action screens to him. So those yak opportunities, they disappear a little bit at a seven on seven format, but that's not just what he does. He's as dynamic of a downfield threat. I was watching earlier today. He's beating Stefan Gilmore in one-on-one situations in man coverage, just because he has those yak elements to his game. Doesn't mean that that takes up most of his game. So I still think that even in this format, He's a rare, rare talent and somebody I'd rather have over somebody like Darren Waller. So I think part of the conversation, maybe people listening to this, you outlined this a little bit. He gets so much credit for blocking and that kind of what's what makes him like a special player. But just as a pure receiver that you're drafting him here as, we also know that a, a foundation critical factor for Kyle Shanahan is his yards after catch opportunities for all of his pass catchers out of running back, out of tight end, at wide receiver. And just the ability of George Kittle to outmuscle you in those contact situations, I think that's a, a truly uncommon thing. Um, why do you think he's only hit five touchdowns as a career high in a single season, Robert? It's a really good question. I, I don't really know. I mean, I think that their red zone offense struggles compared to where what it does in between the 20s just because you can create less space. I think that Garoppolo has traditionally struggled down there for that exact reason. He's not. He's not a fine-tuned quarterback in those sorts of high-leverage moments, and I think that affects the way their passing game works down there. But I think that if we can get a quarterback that can push the ball down the field a little bit more than Jimmy Garoppolo has, George Kittle (laughs) is arguably that team's best vertical receiver when you look at some of the things that he does. So I think that he's almost a victim of circumstance when we think about the limitations associated with him as a receiver. If they wanted to line him up and play him in the way that Travis Kelsey does for the Chiefs, I think you absolutely could do that. But he does so many other things that we just don't think about him that way. Yeah, people forget he's like a 98th percentile athlete. Like this is crazy. not just like some run blocking guy. Like, no, he is a crazy good athlete after the catch. Josh, I do wonder with the red zone stuff. I don't have the numbers to look this up. But I wonder if he stays in to block more mm-hmm. in the red zone than mm-hmm. other tight ends just because they're so run focused down there. And that maybe that's hurting his touchdown production. But like like Robert said, like if he wanted to be Travis Kelsey and just win in isolation, he can certainly do that. So I think that. Uh, we haven't seen the peak George Kittle for fantasy purposes just because of 49ers offense. Uh, all right, Hayden, you're up next. Your selection here in round five. Well, it either has to be my super flex or my quarterback because um, I'm not going to draft a receiver here, and I'm going to shake things up. I'm going to go coach Andy Reid. He's going to be my flex, and here's a couple reasons why. Whoa, 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 whoa. what is going on? Andy I was unaware this is part of the rules. What Andy is going Reed on? Is my flex. Here's, here's why, guys. I was talking about you need somebody that is going to be positive vibes uh, under Coach Reid more than basically any other head coach in the league. He's going to draw up some plays in, in the offense. He also is going to bring the best food. I kept going back to this. You're out there in the summer for six, seven hours. You got the oranges. You got the the uh, the any steak that you want, the burgers, the mac and cheese recipe that Charles McDonald's bringing, you're getting all of these other things. So I think that Andy Reid is the X factor of my team. And he's also going to be snapping the ball. We might need to put him under an easy up in the middle of the field. But if we can get Andy Reid out there for six, seven hours, I like what he brings to the table here. <laughs> Your guys are going to be gassed, by the way, because you have no subs now. Uh, by the way, we're going to figure it out. Lyndon in the chat has a great comment. Andy Reid can punt, pass, and kick. So <laughs> that's absolutely true. Uh, okay, Hayden, uh, as the host, I'm going to X this one. I'm going to cancel this one. I'm going to actually force you to pick. Yeah, I am. Uh, your, 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 no, your point is well taken among us. I don't think Robert and I even considered that a coach could be in this equation. I so I think because of that, no, Hayden, your point is granted. He can still be on your sideline, you know, with like a decal of your team's logo on the back of his car, whatever you want to do. But I feel like we should stick to players for these. It's six on seven. We call it seven on seven, but yes, the six but guy just sits there, I, right? That could be my Andy Reid. But if you're going to force me to change, fine. Like in the All right. spirit of this conversation, we need a player here. Okay, fine. I'll go Aaron Rodgers. How about that? Okay, that works. You have to settle for Aaron Rodgers. That look on your face of disgust at me. It's, the vibes uh, are gone. The vibes <laughs> are gone. <laughs> no, uh, I think Aaron Rodgers is... is nearly perfect for 
for this type of scenario. I mean, it's all the things that we talked about with Patrick Mahomes. They're obviously not the same player, but it's the the flick of the wrist accuracy in terms of pinpointing uh, passes in, in, in certain directions and, and certain spots of the field. And it's the touch elements. It's throwing with velocity when you need to. Uh, I don't know what else we need to say about Aaron Rodgers here. I think he's pretty good. I think he's pretty good, too. I'm sorry for ruining your day, Hayden. <laughs> I'm so mad. No more five-star reviews. No. Okay. Uh, We'll keep it rolling then. So you both have your running back. You both have your tight ends. We still have that super sub that we're talking about. So maybe one comes into play here. Uh, But I'll start at my flex. I feel like I need someone who has a bit more toughness over the middle of the field. If I need this person in like a goal line situation to convert – to get the ball into end zone for a six point play. And it's someone who I feel like has kind of become a bit underrated, which is wild because he set records just a couple years ago. Well, Michael Thomas here, I'm going with slant boy because I feel like the slant boy title has made people forget just how amazing of a player that Michael Thomas is. He kind of reminds me of his movement of like one of those Boston dynamics robots where it's like this upper body that's just trucking down below. And he's so difficult to bring down, I went back and watched him in 2018 and 2019 in preparation for this. I mean, he was number three in yards per route run, number one in 2019. He's not just this guy who puts his foot in the dirt, goes inside and catches the ball in between his numbers. I think he's much more than that. And again, I, he's become a little bit underrated at this point because of how much time he missed last season. Yeah, and I'm like I'm it's, wondering who's the fast guy on your team. I'm wondering where the speed is coming from. <laughs> well, well, we talked there. about Calvin Ridley. We talked about Stefan Dix. It's not just speed that you need to get open vertically. There's a lot more to the vertical element of your game, Robert. I'm talking about space creation here, man. I'm talking about the who's creating that space for Michael Thomas because people are bailing out. And we've got a couple more. There's going to be some maybe more space creators at other positions as we get to them. It sounds like you were questioning this pick of Michael Thomas. Maybe you were one of these people that I don't think is giving him enough love and enough attention. I just see someone that moves differently at the position that can create separation if he wants to, that gets upfield immediately as soon as he catches it. And it's just racked up production over and over and over again. So if you need those tight body catches over the middle of the field, he can give that to me as well. So that's, that's totally my fine. reasoning in this wide receiver quartet that I have so far. You guys think about all this a lot. Where do you guys stand on Michael Thomas's fantasy value this year? Because I think he's incredibly hard to pin down. I think he's incredibly underrated. I don't know what Hayden thinks. I'm I'm on team Jameis, and I think that Michael Thomas is going to show a little bit more intermediate and in seam route stuff that he was not getting with Drew Brees. I wonder if that Sean Payne's going to open up the offense a little bit more and if that's going to make Michael Thomas. Maybe he loses 25 targets over the season. But I think that he there's a chance that he shows that he's not just this quote unquote slant boy. I think that Jameis Winston's gonna maybe unlock a little something that Michael Thomas didn't have. This is assuming that his ankle is fine because that was a really big problem last year. Obviously, I feel like you guys are judging me hard, but that's okay. <laughs> Hayden, you're back up. All right, Justin Jefferson, number one, ah, number one in yards per route run versus man coverage last year as a rookie. Vertical threat underneath stuff. It didn't matter. It was basically Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams in a complete tier of their own, averaging over four yards per route run versus man coverage last year. Everybody else in the league, there's like a couple of players that were in the three yards per route run. And then basically all the other good receivers were in the twos. So they were in a complete tier of their own. And that was just as a rookie. And he was a young rookie. So I'm not even sure if we've seen the full game of Justin Jefferson. And that's pretty scary. I'm very upset. I definitely wanted him as my super flex guy. I he was when we did our non-quarterback draft at, at, on the Athletic Football Show. He was one of my favorite rewatches, just because watching him up close and really studying him. There's just so many. It's very. It's almost weird that it's a it's a strange word to say, but he's a weird watch just because the way that he's built and the way that he moves. It's unlike really any other receiver in the league, and I honestly think it plays to his advantage. Because corners just don't know what to do with him. He's all limbs and the way that he eats up space because of it. I think that he gets on guys faster than they expect him to. I mean, against man coverage, especially down the field, the way he creates separation is really, really impressive on some of those secondary releases. I think he's going to be a really special player. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I think he's on that plane of a Stefan Diggs, of a Calvin Ridley in terms of creating separation. Um, I, I think his game, as simple as this might say, because he replaced him, obviously, with Minnesota, uh, Stefan Diggs is, is, is a very apt mm-hmm. example of this. And it's so amazing to me of how he was used at LSU his final season, not in a bad way, you know, but he was kind of that that volume sponge there in the slot with Joe Brady. And then it didn't even seem like Minnesota, and correct me if I'm wrong, didn't have like extreme confidence in him immediately to be like that alpha receiver for them or even the number two wide receiver in like the first two games of last season. And he goes and proves it immediately as this outside playmaker who can also shift inside if you want him to. I mean, Justin Jefferson is is just an absolute stud, obviously, after setting records during his rookie season. I think that's a Zimmer thing with playing rookies early. They've always been fairly slow when it comes to even first round picks. They bring those guys along at a pretty slow pace. So it's not shocking to see that, but he was good the moment he stepped on the field. All right, Robert, your two final picks. So I was going to go with Justin Jefferson as my super flex. I instead, I'm going to go with Keenan Allen, who is one of my favorite players in the entire league has been for years. And I think one of the reasons he fits here inside, outside versatility the fact that I can put him in there in the slot when I need to, if Tyreek Hill needs a breather, he can play outside. In my opinion, still maybe the best route runner in the entire NFL. And we talk about guys with unique singular skill sets. For him to do what he does at 6'3 is absolutely bonkers. When you stand next to Keenan Allen, it's truly shocking how tall he is because you just don't associate that type of frame with someone that moves the way that he does. One of, Some of my favorite football conversations I've ever had are about rut running with Keenan Allen, just the way that he thinks about it, his understanding of structure in terms of coverages, the way that he goes about his business in that area of the game, I think is unlike anybody in the entire sport. Keenan Allen's the best. When I was an intern with the Chargers, the one of my things I had to like go into the locker room to do some marketing stuff. And Keenan Allen came up to me and I was wearing a USC shirt on the same day that USC was playing Cal. And he kept teasing me that Cal was going to beat the Trojans, <laughs> even though USC was like favored by 30 points. This dude's so <laughs> hilarious. But the biggest thing that you said is he's so much bigger than people realize. Like Even yeah. if he's taller, he's also like thicker in the lower half than you, mm-hmm. than you would expect. So for him to be that shifty is pretty absurd for how um, big of a player he is. And uh, you're definitely getting lots of positive vibes from Keenan Allen this, in, in this tournament too. I remember back in college, Calvin Johnson had to deal with Reggie Ball, despite being like an awesome prospect coming out of Georgia Tech. Keenan Allen had to deal with Zach Maynard, who's like his half brother at Cal. Yeah. But it was like the worst quarterback play you can imagine for someone who was wide open all the time, yet he was still extremely productive. He dealt with injuries, obviously, in college. That's why he dropped, what, round two or round three in the draft and uh, just what he's done in the NFL. I mean, he is perennially underrated. I hope he's not one of these players that we forget about in you know five or ten years because i feel like we have forgotten about some super productive players in the last two decades but i think football discourse has gotten to the point where we've repeatedly mentioned someone like keen allen over and over of just doing the great stuff consistently over the middle of the field and just doing it at a super high level year in and year out as long as i have a platform people will not be forgetting about <laughs> keenan allen i can tell you guys that right now so i'll be doing my part in that all right robert close us out here and it has to be your quarterback thomas brady I think in a seven-on-seven setting, you don't have to worry about him running. Uh, That element is completely gone. We saw last year what he could do pushing the ball down the field, even quickly pushing the ball down the field. Obviously, that was a huge question after the 2019 season. His average depth of target and the efficiency associated with that in 2020 was bonkers. I think something that we thought was completely off the table and had passed with him. So in this setting, I just think that he's as close to a perfect quarterback as you're going to get because the weaknesses that exist in his game don't exist when you're talking about seven on seven. Oh, I mean, that, that's a great reasoning. And I was going to ask you for a follow-up because I think a lot of people out there might be thinking, what about Dak? I even consider maybe like a Matthew staff in this situation, just because of how he can change uh, his, his velocity for multiple levels of the field. But Tom, you laid it out where the negatives don't really qualify here and the mental aspect pre and post. I mean, that's just the bread and butter that still seems like it has lasted. And I can't get those final four games of the regular season out of my mind. I keep bringing it up. And if they start off again, the Bucks like that to start this season, I mean, it's, it's an absolute monster that that offense can be again in 2021. Yep. He's my favorite. MVP it's a really good one. That's a really good one. I also love him throwing into Naheem Hines. Just that oh, yeah. type of player and what we've seen with him and guys like James White and him with that sort of receiving back. I would want to watch this offense play. 
Okay, your team is complete. We'll complete our two teams in just a moment. Hayden Winks, you're up. Well, I'm going to sabotage you, and I'm going to pick a tight end here because you threw away my Andy Reid pick. And I'm going to go Darren Waller. And I think he, like Travis Kelsey, could be a receiver if we're going into this rotation. Also, I get a little 12 personnel action. I'm, I'm curious what DBs we're bringing to the table, but I'd like to find two uh, unique defensive backs that can guard Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller. Uh, there's not too many of those that exist, so I'm going to go with the sabotage pick in revenge of the a- Andy Reid cancellation here. That's fine. It was not going to be the tight end that effect. And by the way, I realized Whoa. I screwed myself because I didn't make a six round selection earlier on. So that means, I mean, I should be, I, I mean, I'm, I'm the worst host where I throw myself under the bus oh, for gosh. the benefit of both yeah, of you. That's amazing. So I have two picks to end this. Talk to me more about Jaron Waller because I went back, I mean, I loved him. And I, I, one reason why I think, obviously, he had a breakout season last year, but I think the production is going to last is because of the usage. It's because he's not just this inline tight end that was getting these opportunities over and over and over again. They put him in the slot. Heck, they would put put him out wide, and especially in those like goal-to-go situations. And he was the top player in that element and in that situation for for the Raiders. And because of that, because of that usage is going to last this year, the production is going to stick with him. Yeah, I think it's so translatable to seven on seven where he wins, and he's such a good athlete too. So fantasy purposes, seven on seven, I think that – Darren Waller definitely is a top three tight end. And even when I mean, you talk about minimizing weaknesses because of the format, he's a fine blocker. He can play in line. I think that that's under, it's overstated when people talk about that. But now he doesn't have to. You don't have yep. to worry about him blocking anybody. He's truly just another receiver and a mismatch. And in this sort of situation, I think he's a perfect option. I was definitely back and forth between him and Kittle. I think you can make an argument for either one. Well, I'm going to go off the reservation here then. I'll, I'll lead off with my tight end here to close out this. It's going to be Cal Pitts. And I understand he hasn't played a down of football yet in the NFL, but we're going to go for excitement here. We're going to go with name value uh, and it's Cal Pitts. And by the way, I need to shout out Lyndon, who is just chirping me about my team, drafting Mahomes <laughs> and drafting all underneath and intermediate receivers is certainly an interesting strategy. You're wrong. You're wrong. Okay. <laughs> Stefan Diggs two years ago was top three in 20 plus yard targets. Uh, Calvin Ridley, I think was number one last season. Like this is, or top two, like this is a team that wins 20 plus yards on the field. It can't, it's not just all about speed here, guys. It's separation, how you have body control. And that's why Cal Pitts to me is someone that his versatility, I'm excited to see it on display immediately. Again, we have no foundation of who he is as an NFL player. Maybe Robert, you agree with me on this. Sometimes I feel like I would much rather have one half of the first regular season game than three years of college tape to determine like who a player is in the sport because I pick up so much more in those, like, I don't know, 25 snaps than I do with 250 in college because it's, you know, the same competition over and over again. But I, uh, it's to the point and Hayden, you and I have talked about this. We're all history at the position drafted early, uh, you know, taking some time until their second contract, second team. I think we have to throw that out the door because just by title, he can do all the tight end things probably, but he can do more than that. Kyle Pitts can. Yeah, I think he's gonna be like the like. Sometimes he'll be like an X receiver, three three by one formations, winning in isolation. He's gonna play, I think, mo- more snaps um, detached from the offensive line than attached to it this year, and he's gonna be treated more or less like a wide receiver. He can definitely block, though. Do not want to throw that part out of the game. Correct. The only thing it wasn't about the historical um, production at tight end. Now you can question the pick. It's the contract. When you look at the contract relative to the position, compared comparatively to. The quarterbacks, the, the discount is massive, and that's the same argument why we were arguing against first-round running backs too. So um, Kyle Pitts, the player, no questions about that. Um, I think that the only discussion about the Falcons pick was the contract and whether Justin Fields or Mac Jones or whoever else they were going to be drafting. That was the only discussion to have. Doesn't he have the most guaranteed money of any tight end in the NFL as yeah. part yeah. of that contract? I mean, that's yep. 38 mil, I think. If he's good, it does it doesn't matter. And I think right. that I've, if you think about him more as an offensive player than a tight end, I think that'll help. But it still says TE next to his name. It still would when the contract negotiations came up. So I totally understand that. And look, since now all of you are in my head about us not having a vertical game, 20-plus yard attempts last season, he caught 10 of 17 targets, five touchdowns, had an average depth of target of 13.8 yards, 11 contested catches. Cal Pitts adds to the vertical element of this game. And we're going to close out. With one guy who in college caught a bunch of passes, but the NFL has not been asked to do that so far. Curveball here. Antonio Gibson is our running back. 
Um, wow. I am interesting. Not, yeah, very interesting. And I'm not sure. I think it was because Scott Turner looked at Antonio Gibson last year, and Scott Turner was a major influence in them selecting Antonio Gibson in last season's draft. But I also feel like he knew that he had a J.D. McKissick on his team who's very good in this area if we wanted to go down that path and said, okay, we have someone that can fulfill this element. Antonio, I see you as our more traditional ball carrying back who we can also use out in space, but maybe his brain was put in a bit of a pretzel learning basically an entirely new position at running back. So I wouldn't be shocked at all because McKissick is no longer attached to Alex Smith's hip that uh, if Antonio Gibson really expands and shows off his receiving skills, because at Memphis, I mean, he was running legit slot and outside routes and winning on them as well. It's so funny that Antonio Gibson was a former receiver because to me, he just looks like a running back the way he moves. I mean, obviously there were some elements with patience and pushing and pressing the hole and things like that, that he had to work on and got better at over his rookie year. But just in terms of what he looks like and the aesthetics, he looks like a running back to me. So there's almost a disconnect there because I didn't watch him that much in college. To me, he's like a prototypical running back body. Yeah, but it's a baby steps thing. They didn't want to give him too much on his plate. They already knew that he can win Mm -hmm. out in space as a, like maybe like a, a, a just like a check down guy out out in the flats, um, but they didn't want to give him too much as as a rookie here, and so I think that's why they were trying to focus on finding a, just the vision, the patience, those type of things that he had basically zero experience. Even he had forty carries in college, it was like a shockingly low number, and I thought that he yep. executed that pretty well, especially as the season progressed. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being like a top five fantasy uh, running back this year if he can get that third down role because he's. He's got he's got some peak peak outcomes here. Yeah, it's shocking when you consider that Kenneth Gainwell because that was his last season played in college too. Had like 230 or 250 carries that season when Antonio Gibson had about 35 of them. And I mean, Gibson broke nearly as many tackles during his final year of college as he did uh, have have touches. I almost tried to like cheat and throw in Curtis Samuel as my running back uh, because we know he played there at Ohio State some, and obviously in the NFL he's done that as well. Robert, you have like five minutes where we could run through maybe some players that we missed out on. There were two that I wanted to bring up. Uh, we have forgotten just how good Odell Beckham is, and he was going to be my wild card here, my, my, my super sub, because if he's back to peak Odell, then he might have been number one or number two drafted on this wide receiver list. The only so I think that's a really good one. I think that the only other guys that I had written down their names that were not drafted were Mike Evans, who I think that's another one where we've just forgotten how good Mike Evans is because his production wasn't as good last year because Brady's not just going to force feed somebody. But Mike Evans is a special talent. I mean, it, very in terms of being different than everybody else on the field, he stands out to me. And then Allen Robinson was the other receiver that I had oh, yeah. that was not mentioned here. Who Obviously, I love Allen Robinson. He would have been my guy if Keenan Allen was off the board. And then the only other two guys at running back I had, Alvin Kamara and Austin Eckler, would have been my guys after Naheem Hines. But for the most part, I mean, this is the group of players that I would have picked, and they came off the board in pretty much the order I would have thought. Hayden, any other names from you? The running back I was debating between with McCaffrey was Austin Eckler. I just think he's so special out in in space. In the Chargers occasionally, at least with Phillip Rivers, they would, like, line him up out at receiver, and, like, he was just, like, dominating Mm -hmm. out there too. So, And his yards after the catch potential is off the charts. Um, a deep sleeper at tight end. I just want to throw this out there. Maybe if we run this back next year, I think that Noah Fant has a chance to yep. get into this mm-hmm. tier. He's so explosive. So I'm, I'm curious if the Broncos, he played so much in line last year. And it's probably because like their wide receiver depth is, is pretty, pretty deep. I'd like to see him off the line of scrimmage or off the um, off offensive line a little bit and let him go make some plays out of, out of, out of the slot. So um, maybe we get that from Noah Fant this year. I think that he has a chance to, um, get into this like top three, top five tight end discussion. One more name at wide receiver who I think can take a step into, and he's in the freak mold of AJ Brown and DK Metcalf, maybe not that degree, but close chase Claypool. Mm-hmm. Um, chase Claypool is one of those big bodies that makes it look so easy, was absolutely crushing it on 15, 20 plus yards down the field. But also there's this element where they got him hyper involved near the goal line because he actually turned out to be like their best goal line threat in a lot of situations. And Notre Dame did that a lot where they would just get the momentum rolling um, across the middle of the field. And as soon as he catches it, then no one wants to stay in his way because it's this massive dude who can obviously 
run fast as well. He needs a jump, but I'm not sure if he's going to be able to do it because I feel like that team is having a major identity crisis and, you know, their quarterback just really struggling at the moment. But it wouldn't shock me at all if we see Chase Claypool jump into this tier of wide receivers sooner rather than later. I think Ben Roethlisberger is what would hold him back from doing yeah. that. But on his own accord, I think, and just by his own talent, I'd absolutely think he belongs in that conversation. All right, Robert, run through your team and then Hayden and then me and then we'll close us out of here. All right, Tom Brady, Naheem Hines, George Kittle, Tyree Kill, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, Keenan Allen. I feel very good about it. I really like, again, the complimentary skill sets at receiver. I think that I have guys that can do a lot of different things. I think having Tyree Kill changes the entire structure of the way that teams can play against me. I truly do believe that Naheem Hines right now is the most dynamic, very pass-catching back in the league. And if we have eliminate running from the equation, which we can here, really happy about that. And same thing goes with Brady. I think what we saw him do last year is such a symbol of where what he can be as a quarterback even right now, and his weaknesses just disappear in this format. So I like my very specific seven-on-seven team that like may that. not be as good at actual football. Looks really good. Hayden, you're up. I think my biggest takeaway is I need to go watch some Naeem Hines tape Me too. directly after this to, to get a feel for this. Uh, my team, Aaron Rodgers, Christian McCaffrey, Travis Kelsey, Devontae Adams, DK Metcalf, Justin Jefferson, and Darren Waller. Um, and then Andy Reid in spirit, of course. Um, really wanted him in there. Um, but I think that it's just the the 12 personnel options that I have. That is kind of the distinguishing factor of my team compared to everyone else's. We'll see if that actually matters or not. And my team, Patrick Mahomes, Antonio Gibson at running back, Cal Pitts as a tight end, Stefan Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins, Calvin Ridley at wide receiver, then a super sub of Michael Thomas. And while it looks like this is ISO ball create separation, let me remind you that Calvin Ridley led the NFL in 20 plus yard targets last season. And then in 2019, Stefan Diggs was number three in that area. So we can win vertically as well. Again, everyone out there, tell us who your favorite team is on Apple reviews. We'll pick five, leave your Twitter handle and we'll give you a underdog t-shirt. Robert, I took way too much of your time. Thank you so much for doing this. This is it was an absolute joy. So appreciate you. I appreciate you, you guys having me. Anytime, yeah. anytime. This is great. Absolutely, man. And everyone out there, I'm sure you're listening to it, cannot again recommend enough where NFL defenses are going with Deontay Lee and Nate Tice. It might be the show that Robert talks the least in, in the franchise <laughs> of the athletic football show. I'm not saying that's the reason why it was my favorite, but it is an absolutely stellar episode. All right, we'll be back here at 1230 again tomorrow with the Giveaway Gauntlet. Sam Monson will be joining us. So for Robert Mays, for Hayden Winks, I am Josh Norris, up the Vela. Talk to you all soon. See ya. 